a Podcast One production. Welcome to Series 2 of Crappy to Happy. We are so excited to be back and thank you so much for tuning into the first series, listening to us, and we have had a wonderful response. So many questions come through, haven't we, Cass? We sure have. We're super excited to be back in the studio. We have had an amazing response and, yeah, like you said, lots of people asking for more mm-hmm. um, and asking us to go deeper into some topics, so we're really excited to have the opportunity. Yes, and we've, we've looked at those top topics that you guys have reached out and said, we want to know about this, and we've put together a whole series based on those topics and we're going to talk about them. So thank you so much for the wonderful suggestions. I am Tiffany Hall. I'm a trainer. I'm an author. Uh, I am the founder of TiffXO.com, a fitness and weight loss website. And Cass? I'm a clinical and coaching psychologist in private practice, and I am the resident psychologist on TiffXO.com. And I teach meditation and mindfulness and run courses on happiness and well-being. Cass, what is Crappy to Happy all about? Crappy to Happy is a show where we give you simple tools and tips and strategies to help you live a healthier, happier life. So you're a trainer. I'm a psychologist. We cover all things mind and body. In season one, we covered off uh, the cult of busy, dealing with emotional eating, self-sabotage. And now in season two, we've got a whole bunch of brand new topics. Life after a baby, very relevant to you right Mm -hmm, now, Tiff. mm -hmm. Aging gracefully. More relevant to me. (laughs) No. (laughs) No. And things like positive thinking, mindfulness. Uh, Whether we need a digital detox. I don't know what I want to do when I grow up. All these questions, life questions, it's so helpful. Yeah, really common topics that come up all the time. Okay, so without any further ado, let's get into topic number one. Thinking happy thoughts. Does positive thinking really work? Please, Cass, kick this one off. This is a great topic. It is a topic very close to my heart and obviously perfect for a show called Crappy to Happy. Yes. So there is a lot of research now that supports the fact that the more positivity you have Mm -hmm. in your life, the better off you will be. I'm talking about positive thoughts and positive feelings. Mm -hmm. I want to say, though, I think we all know that, and this is where positive thinking comes under attack a little bit, like it's not possible to be always positive all the time. Thank you, Cass, because I'm sitting here right now with a broken ankle and I am feeling so not positive about it, (laughs) right? And I want to know, is positive thinking going to help me get through this injury? Is it going? Short answer, yes, absolutely. And I think those people who are really positive all the time, mostly we want to punch them in the face. Yeah. (laughs) There's positive and then there's diluted. So like. That's really annoying. Okay. And in fact, yeah, that's that's true. We, yes. we can't be too positive and we're not about putting sunshine and smiley faces and rainbows over all mm. of the... You've got to be realistic. Exactly. Over all of the negative and the terrible things that happen in life. Mm-hmm. The truth of it is though, and there has been some research about this, that when we talk about happiness, if we, mm-hmm. if we sort of um, water the whole positivity thing down into happiness, which mm-hmm. is an all covering sort of a word... Mm-hmm. Um, that a lot of our happiness comes down to our intentional thoughts and activities, not our life circumstances. Mm -hmm. In fact, there's some research, and I think this has been disputed a little bit, but generally speaking, there is still some evidence that says, so uh, roughly half of our temperament, basically, our Mm -hmm. general happiness comes down to our biology. And of the other half, 40% is 
directly attributed to how we think and how we behave. Only 10% is attributed to your circumstances in life. So that includes whether you're single married, uh, what sort of a job you've got, whether you've got a job or not, whether you have got kids, uh, mm-hmm. how much money you make, where you live, all of that has very little to do. It's fascinating. So it's only 10%. Yeah, which doesn't mean that at any given time, if you're having a really bad day because you've got a broken ankle, mm-hmm. that's very relevant to you right now. Mm-hmm. But in the scheme of things, mm-hmm. if you were to um, suffer extreme misfortune today mm-hmm. or if you were to win the lotto today, basically in 12 months' time, your happiness would be pretty much the same as what it is today. Mm-hmm. So after an adjustment period, mm-hmm. after that sort of settling into or the initial shock mm-hmm. or the joy or the whatever it is of that new thing, Situation. good or bad, mm-hmm then you generally kind of hover back to a certain happiness, what they call the happiness set point. Okay. So, but that doesn't mean that that happiness set point can't change. Mm-hmm. Cass, when you say you're predisposed to be a certain level of happy, what do you mean by that? So I, I guess that generally, that means your your genetic predisposition is your the temperament that you're born with. Mm-hmm. You know, so we can see even with um, with little kids, yes. some who are more quiet, shy, introverted, some are more extroverted, mm-hmm. outgoing. We have a genetic predisposition, which is like our, our, our hereditary, basically, our biological hereditary. Um, you know, t- we can be predisposed to things like anxiety if there is a family history of anxiety. Oh, okay. Depression if there's a family history of depression. Yep. It doesn't mean that you're predetermined mm-hmm. to have those things. It just mm-hmm. means that you may be more at risk because of your genetics, the same I as understand. you might be predisposed to diabetes or, mm-hmm. you know, lots of other family uh, hereditary conditions. Okay. Having said that, you know, I would have to add in there a disclaimer that some of that stuff, if you're mum and your grandma and your great-grandma were all highly anxious and you end up being anxious, part of that will be to do with genetics and part of it will also be with what is modelled to you. Yes. So what you learn from seeing in your family. So there's a mix of things there. Mm -hmm. But that's, I guess that's generally what we mean by that genetic predisposition. Mm -hmm. Some people are a bit more optimistic, some people a bit more pessimistic. It's just Mm -hmm. the way we're sort of wired. Okay. Which is not to say, and this is the important thing, that you can't shift that. Mm -hmm. The question is, well, why would you want to shift it? Mm -hmm. Because some people will say, those people who are the more pessimistic will tell you that they're the realists, actually. And that all of this positive thinking is a Mm. you know, it's just a load of rubbish and it's being idealistic and but yeah. what can you tell us about how being positive can affect you? I thought you would never ask. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there is research to show that people who are more positive, for example, are, have less risk of hypertension, of diabetes and stroke. Mm-hmm. People with, who are more positive generally, um, they tend to cope better with stress and mm-hmm. with adversity. Um, we know that people, I have to tell you about the nun study, I will in a Mm -hmm. minute, that they live longer, they Mm -hmm. have a stronger immune system, uh, sorry, a stronger immune response. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you inject people with flu stuff and watch how well their bodies produce antibodies. Um, they, so they respond better to stress and all to, to exposure to illness. They also tend to have lower risk of cardiovascular disease and they, um, you know, and partly, there's some correlational effects here too because partly maybe they just live healthier lives because they tend to be more optimistic so they tend to look forward to a brighter future mm-hmm. so therefore they take better care of themselves. Mm-hmm. So there's all sorts of things that interact. So, so Cass, all these benefits 
that's to do with your brain, right? The way you're having these thoughts and the thoughts releasing certain chemicals is this changes, how changes the biology? How it changes, works? Changes your biology. It definitely wow. does. It's the thoughts. The thoughts change your biology. Yeah. Well, the thoughts impact your feelings. Yeah. Feelings then loop back and impact your thoughts, but all of that affects your behaviour. So it becomes uh-huh. a very self reinforcing and self-fulfilling and the same thing can happen with negative yes. thoughts and negative feelings cortisol can, and all those hor- the the negative hormones and yeah. i know what that can do to you yeah now remember we don't want to demonize cortisol because some of it is we'll talk about that actually in another mm-hmm. episode yes um because the effects of cortisol can be positive and helpful yes. it's just if it's that overproduction too yes. much stress too much mm-hmm. chronic stress and and no relief mm-hmm. i want to tell you about this study which i heard about which I love. It's famously known mm-hmm. as the nun study. Mm-hmm. So groups of nuns, when they were entering the convent, this is way back in the 1930s, 1940s, they asked them all to write a brief biography. So they mm-hmm. had to write a story about themselves and their lives. And so a lot of these nuns were entering the convent, you know, as teenagers, um, maybe having come from homes where they couldn't afford to, like they didn't go to school or the yeah. family couldn't afford to look after them. So they would enter the convent. And 60, 70 years later, some researchers started to analyse those biographies and looked at the ratio, like the balance of positive versus negative kind of statements and phrases, the way they described their life and themselves. They looked for particular words and phrases that uh, reflected positivity versus negativity. Mm-hmm. The nuns who had on the whole more positive words and phrases, so a more positive outlook on life, on average lived seven years longer than the nuns who had more negative statements. The other thing is this was actually not even a study about longevity. This was a study Mm. about Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. So they found that, I don't remember the exact percentage, but many more of the nuns with the negative outlook Mm -hmm. were inclined to develop Alzheimer's in older age. So, you know, they're looking at these studies now when these nuns are in their 60s, 70s, 80s. Mm -hmm. This one particular nun who was a particular example who lived into, you know, she went on to do these great things and make lots of contribution, had a strong sense of purpose. Mm -hmm. Her biography was very positive. What these nuns also did was they, so this is how they know about the Alzheimer's as well, is that they donated their brains to science at the end. Wow. So this one particular nun who'd lived a very long, healthy life, she had, um, you know, had a great positive outlook. She had a strong sense of purpose. She donated her brain to science and her brain had all of the physical evidence of somebody with late stage Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. In her life, she never, ever expressed a symptom. She never had any of the um, outward, like, you know, we know what Alzheimer's Mm -hmm. looks like. We know what Mm -hmm. dementia looks like. Mm -hmm. Her brain had all of the plaques that normally would say that, that this woman had Alzheimer's, but she never had a symptom of Alzheimer's. But that's yeah. basically saying that you can actually have the physical effects of a disease mm. and not actually experience any of the symptoms of it. So Cass, what does that tell us about the power of positive thinking? Yeah, well, it, tell, it says a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. But how we think affects not only how we feel, it affects our physiology. You know what? I'm so interested in this. As a trainer, my job is to get the best out of people, mm-hmm. their potential. And I have seen in clients and through my community of people I train online that sometimes what I expect of them in terms of positivity and encouragement and telling them what I expect, sometimes 
they live up to that expectation, yeah. even despite, you know, perhaps not believing in it themselves. And I did read that this was called the Pygmalion effect. Yes. That what we expect from other people and from ourselves manifests itself in the world. So, you know, expectations become reality. Just from mm-hmm. me infusing you with positivity and you believing in yourself. And it's something that I've seen time and time again in sports psychology and through training people and, you know, growing up around Olympic athletes who were always into the positive thinking and even in around healing injuries and rehab, it has manifested and there has been a difference. I've seen that myself. Absolutely. And the Pygmalion effect is something that would you say is true? Would you psychologically, you know? Yeah. So if we talk about the function of negative emotions Mm -hmm. versus positive emotions, the function of negative emotions is generally to have us avoid something that we perceive to be a threat or a risk, right? Mm -hmm. So therefore, when we are feeling negative or thinking something negative, we we focus in on that. We become consumed with that problem mm-hmm. because our biological evolution, the way we've evolved is to focus in on the threat. Um, so we might, if we feel fear, then we focus on how to avoid that thing. If we feel angry, we focus on how we, you know, fight that thing mm-hmm. or whatever it is. And so that creates a, a, a downward spiral. But when we experience positive emotions, that has the opposite effect. It tends to, and study, researchers have studied this, that it opens us up to possibilities. It literally opens up our mind and opens up our world to a greater level of possibilities. We very much find what we're looking for. It's what you're yes, talking about. right. And so if someone says to you, you can do 10 push-ups on your toes, you can do that, and then the client they they say, well, if Tiff believes I can do that, I can do it. And then they can do it, even if they've never done it in, before in their life. I've seen that happen. Yeah, it does happen. And um, different people will, will respond to that in different mm. ways. Mm-hmm. Some people will be more inclined to f- mm-hmm. respond to that in a positive way and to... Uh, to meet your expectation Mm -hmm. and some people won't. Some Mm -hmm. people might shut down, you know, with the whole I can't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But this is where we have the power of choice and this is where we have to remember that we do have a choice. Yes. The the whole ratio of positive to negative thoughts is if you called up today, for example, and said, Cass, I can't do the podcast today. Yes. And if my first thought was... uh, fantastic. I was really unprepared okay. <laughs> and, and I'm really glad to have this day off. That gives me an extra day to prepare. Mm-hmm. I would have a whole different emotional response and mm-hmm. then I would go off and I would pre- happily, you know, prepare. Mm-hmm. If my thought, when you said, Cass, I need to cancel, if my first thought was, that's if she doesn't respect yeah. my time, you know, I was all organised for yeah. this, I've wasted my money coming to Melbourne, yeah. whatever, then I would have a whole different emotional mm-hmm. response and my behaviours would all be different. Mm-hmm. Same, that happened, that is relevant to every single thing, every single day. Everything Mm -hmm. we encounter in life, we automatically make meaning of it and then that affects how we feel about it and that affects Mm -hmm. how we, uh, our Mm behaviour, our behavioural response. So oftentimes uh, the ways that we think and the ways that we make meaning and the ways that we interpret things are so habitual and so entrenched that we're not even aware that we're defaulting to this negative interpretation. defaulting. And and that's what I wanted to ask you, Cass. How do you break out of that? So then once you become aware, this Mm -hmm. is like, well, mindfulness is a great one and we'll talk Mm -hmm. more about that. But as soon as you become aware that that's what you're doing, you can actually start to challenge those automatic thoughts that you have and start to shift the balance more to mm-hmm. something that's more positive or at least to 
question or loosen the grip, I suppose, mm-hmm. on the power of your belief in the negative interpretation. Mm-hmm. You know, you can consider that there might be another possibility. Maybe Tiff really wasn't out to just sabotage mm. me today. You know, mm-hmm. you can actually put some space between you and the thought to open up some more possibilities. But that's what I mean about this choice point. We're all mm-hmm. making meaning and we can all choose to, once we know what we're doing, we can all choose to view something with a more positive outlook of a, or a yeah. more negative one. Cass, I can so relate to this right now. I saw this topic and we had prepared for it. But then this morning I thought, how am I going to talk about positive thinking? Because I'm not feeling very positive right now. I've broken my ankle and sure, a broken bone. It's, it's not a big deal. But for me, that means I can't work mm-hmm. because my job is to film fitness videos. It affects my business. It affects me personally. Um, I can't carry my five-month baby. I can't pick him up. I can't walk with him. So the logistics of having some someone at home the whole time to carry Arnold and change his nappy and pick him up out of his cot to feed him is very difficult right Mm. now. So I'm trying to stay positive, but sometimes it's just a little bit hard. Sometimes it really is. And I think that we're not about banishing all negative emotions. Uh That that is key. Mm -hmm. Um, We're not about being unrealistically positive because there is there is space for the full range of human emotions. And in mm-hmm. fact, the more we pursue happiness, the more we're, there's research about this, the more people kind of desperately seeking happiness and want to be happy all the time, the more depressed they are. Oh. <laughs> so we're not about chasing happiness at all costs and banishing negativity. Okay. You and I have talked about this mm-hmm. before because we actually have to be able to be able to tolerate and be able to handle the mm-hmm. full range and mm-hmm. to be able to um, have the skills and the resources to manage difficulty like a broken mm-hmm. leg, like bro- like lots of things. Lots mm-hmm. of people experience really difficult, tragic yes. things yes. all of the time. But by changing the ratio, and mm-hmm. we'll talk a bit about this afterwards, changing the ratio of positivity to, to positive to negative mm-hmm. emotions, we actually tend, it does tend to equip us with the skills mm-hmm. to better handle life's difficulties. Yeah. So we, it doesn't mean that you can't feel badly about yeah. your ankle. It doesn't yeah. mean that we can't, you know, all feel bad at some point. But what we want to do is be careful about the balance. And I do find, look, an injury is one thing, physically being hurt and, and feeling restriction that way. But also I do find that being in the world at the moment it can be a little bit hard. And for myself, um, running an online business, I'm open to every opinion in the world. Every opinion's come at me. For example, since having a baby, lots of opinions on parenting, on breastfeeding, on how to manage my milk and everything has come at me. And that can be hard sometimes when you're surrounded by so many opinions in the modern world through social media. How do you stay positive when you're comparing yourself to other people, when people are weighing in on how you're living your life? Really good question. And you're quite right. We're bombarded with all sorts of reasons to feel Mm -hmm. crappy all of the time. Social media has only made it worse. And I find that social media feels a bit more negative than positive. Yeah, there's there's research about that too. In fact, the more time that you spend on social media can actually increase your anxiety and depression, depending on what you use it for. But yeah, there's some research about Mm -hmm. that. Um, We're just generally busy and stressed and overwhelmed and there's a lot of crappy things. And available, available 24-7. Yeah. So I think it's a great question and I think that after the break we'll come back with Mm -hmm. some strategies for how we can tip the balance over into feeling a bit more positive. 
Welcome back to Crappy to Happy with Tiff and Cass. We're talking about positive thinking. We've been chatting about how hard it can be sometimes to stay positive when life throws you a curveball and you're feeling a bit crappy. Now we're going to give you some tips and tools to feel more positive. So Cass, where can we start? I think I'd like to start with, first of all, when we talk about the balance Barbara Fredrickson is a psychologist who's done lots of research in this area and what she has found from really decades now of research is that the magic ratio of positive to negative emotions, let's say, is three to one. Mm -hmm. That's what we want to be aiming for. So if you consider that our um, we all have a strong inbuilt negativity bias, which I think you and I have talked about before. Yes, we have. We tend to default to focusing on what's going wrong, not mm-hmm. what's going right. And so because we are inclined to focus more of our attention, focus more of our thoughts and therefore feelings, etc., on what's going wrong, then we want to consciously try to pull that back and shift it to deliberately, like intentionally focus more on what's going right to mm-hmm. shift that balance to a three to one ratio. Okay. So this means we're not about eliminating negativity Mm -hmm. because that would be impossible and that would be counterproductive. Mm -hmm. But if you think about it in that way, then sometimes the best way to shift the ratio is actually not even necessarily, while there are ways that we can focus on upping the positive and we will talk about that, Mm -hmm. sometimes the best thing you can do is actually to start to try to reduce the negative. Okay. For example, staying away from people who drag you down, Uh you know, staying away from conversations which are gossipy, negative, sarcastic, you know. Competitive. Yeah, competitive. People who are unsupportive. There's lots of negativity that seeps in that we can actually deliberately try to weed Mm -hmm. out, like Mm -hmm. to, to move away from. And by doing so, we're naturally then shifting the balance more to towards positive. So Cass, we just have to stay away from negative people to shift the balance? Anything that's a negative influence, let's say, anything that adds more negativity to your life. That includes social media. There's a lot of advice out there at the moment to delete social media accounts that, uh, stop following, Mm -hmm. sorry, social media accounts that make you feel bad about yourself. Mm -hmm. We don't have to watch the news three times a night and see all of the bad things that are happening in the world. Yes. Um, So staying away from the conversations, you know, if there's gossipy conversation happening in the lunchroom at work, you mm-hmm. can choose to remove yourself from it because yeah, negativity breeds negativity. Mm-hmm. And all emotions are contagious, actually. Yes. So the more that you are with people and, in, and environments that are that kind of negative and toxic, the more you're going to absorb that and that's going to directly impact you and then you're going to take that and have that impact all the people around you. Yeah, you really do have to protect your energy and mm-hmm. I so believe in that, mm-hmm. the transfusion of energies. Oh. Yeah, and, and it's fact. It's fact yeah. that we actually have mirror neurons which which make us, emotions what? are contagious. It's like when I yawn, you yawn. Yeah. Like we actually mirror the mm-hmm. person in front of us mm-hmm. and we have this really powerful contagion effect with emotions. Wow. So we know if you're around somebody who's really down, yes. how you feel. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so you want to support people but you don't want to be dragged down yes. by other people's issues mm-hmm. and problems. Mirror neurons are interesting. Why Why do we have those? Yeah, they are interesting. I guess that's just part of our evolutionary biology mm-hmm. again because we um, we 
we are finally tuned, our brains are finally tuned to pick up on subtle cues in front of us. So we needed to know as cave people surviving, we needed to know if somebody in front of us was um, a friend or a foe. Mm -hmm. So we'd pick those things up and then we would... And, you know, and you'd reflect that back to the person in front of you. So we pick up these subtle cues. Mm. Babies born, I don't know if you did this with Arnold when mm. he's born, they they um, they mirror back to you your facial expressions. You yes. Know, you yes. poke your tongue yeah, out. He, he, pokes your tongue he does out. that. He's just started to do that. Well, they do Raspberries from- and, yeah, like, <laughs> oh, he's gorgeous. Don't. But they do it from newborn. Like, they do it straight from the yeah. womb. So we are designed to tune in to, uh, to the people closest to us mm. and to uh, align ourselves socially with people. We can't survive without a tribe. So mm. we have to align ourselves socially. And so that the mirror neurons are all part of that. Amazing. So Cass, what else can we do to keep the positivity? Well, once we've uh, successfully kind of mm-hmm. weeded out some of those negative mm-hmm. influences, then we can start focusing on upping the positive. Yes. So probably the one of the most beneficial, the most reported and uh, activities that you can do is to count your blessings. So essentially focusing on what you're grateful for. Yeah. It is an immediate mood booster, an immediate perspective changer. Mm -hmm. And I tell people, no matter how crappy a day you are having, there is always something to be grateful for. And that's true. It is so true. And this is something that my dad does. He has a journal sitting by the coffee machine and it's there for everyone to read all his good things. And he writes three good things a day whilst he makes his coffee. And they can be his wife's breakfast or mum making breakfast. He was grateful for his blender the other day, (laughs) for his jeans, for the dog's temperament. Um, You know... Arnie gets a mention. He's so cute. It's, it's lovely. Cute. It is lovely. And I'm I'm trying to do that myself. You know, one of the things I'm grateful for with this broken ankle is that's forcing me to learn more about rehab and seated exercise for those who maybe are elderly mm-hmm. or um, disabled or can't. There are plenty of ways you can do terrorize and exercise seated. And I'm, I want to help people to learn how to do that. So I'm going to shift my training program to helping people to do exercise seated. Perfect. Because that's a, that's a great positivity mm-hmm. enhancer is to find the meaning. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll talk about that in other um, mm-hmm. shows actually, mm-hmm. because finding meaning and having a sense of purpose is a great way to boost that positivity. Okay. The gratitude journal is a really, like it's a tried and true kind of tactic and it's used in lots of research studies, mm-hmm. um, you know, getting people to write down the three things that they're grateful for each day. Yep. And what it does is it doesn't just in that moment make you feel good, make you feel grateful and shift your perspective. But what it does too is the more, when you know that every day I'm going to write down three things, you start to look for the things. Yes. So you start to shift your focus and shift mm. what your shift your perspective. It's training your brain. With people with depression, when they ask them to write down three good things that happened today, uh, no matter how trivial, you know, just getting a green light or you know, having a clean shirt to wear something. No. Freshly washed spinach in a bag. <laughs> exactly. That was in my dad's diary. There you go. <laughs> then what happens is they find it quite effortful at mm. first when they're very, very down and very depressed. But what happens is after the second or the third day, then they start looking for the things because they know that they have to write it down. So mm-hmm. it changes your perspective. Instead of focusing on everything that's going wrong, you start to look for everything that's going right. Mm. So the gratitude thing is a really good one, a mm-hmm. uh, really big one. The other one is kindness, actually, doing something kind for somebody else. It, and it can be as simple as paying attention mm-hmm. or paying a compliment 
Um, it doesn't have to be going out and volunteering for a local charity, although that's mm-hmm. great too. Do, they don't have to be grand gestures. They can just be small things, noticing somebody's new haircut and actually mm-hmm. instead of thinking it, actually saying it to the person. Um, and this outward perspective like putting the focus onto making somebody else feel good actually has the effect of making you feel mm. good. Um, that's a really powerful one as well. Gratitude and kindness. So Cass, I'm just sitting here admiring your beautiful top today. You look so <laughs> beautiful and I've written down three things I'm positive and I'm grateful for. And you know what? My ankle's feeling better already. <laughs> no. <laughs> the power of positivity. The power of positivity. But in all seriousness, Cass, how long do you have to do this to see results? How long How long does it take to change the brain, to retrain it to be more positive? If you're starting to talk about neuroplasticity, mm. then... I guess these things would have to be not one-offs, clearly. Mm-hmm. They would have to be um, things that you put into practice over the long term. Like I know a lot of the research about mindfulness and practicing mindfulness is another way actually mm-hmm. that you can change your happiness set point and that's mm-hmm. one of the strategies mm-hmm. because what mindfulness does is it makes you more aware of your patterns mm-hmm. and it also puts a little bit of distance. That thing about mindfulness is that it puts some space between you and all of the stories in your head. Yes. And so when you can start to observe them, and just be able to say to yourself, oh, there I go again with yes. my negative story, instead of believing every negative story you tell yourself, mm. then that can diffuse some of that negative thinking. And mindfulness over time, over a relatively short period of time, you know, an eight-week course mm. in mindfulness can um, can definitely improve your your capacity to deal with stress and difficulty okay. and things like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so a lot of the research yep. is done on eight-week courses. And the kindness, it is so important. And you are in the TIFXO community all the time with our members and encouraging them to do these positive tools and strategies to implement them. And many of them do. And one of the things that I love in the community, if, if there's a ninja who is struggling, sometimes another member will pay for them to do yes. the program. And that pay it forward has really taken off in the community where people are buying each other memberships. Yeah, And it, it just, it, it's so beautiful. And I did read somewhere about how um, spending money on stuff doesn't so much make you happy, but spending money on experiences and sharing those experiences on, I think it was called pro-social spending, spending yes. on others and trying to help them yes. can bring about more happiness and positivity. Yep. So spending money on experiences over things, yeah. that's proven. But also, yeah, they've done experiments where they give people you know, $20 and mm-hmm. say you can spend it on yourself or you can mm-hmm. spend it on somebody else. And the people who spend the money on other people report the greatest boost in mm-hmm. mood and happiness. Yeah. It really does work. And with all this positive thinking, I, I do think it's very effective because at the end of the day, your beliefs dictate your efforts. So if you are being positive about a situation, say in my own world, um, coaching people to lose weight on a, with a weight loss fitness program, if they believe they are capable of losing weight, then they put in more effort. But if they believe that they never lose weight, that it's always hard, that it's impossible for them due to hormones or thyroid or something, you know, then it's usually more of a struggle. So I do believe the more positive you are, the more effort you put in and the better result you will get. So there are lots of other things you can try actually. Mm -hmm. So one is spending time in nature. That's proven to boost mood. Ah. Now, I will say though, on a nice day. Mm-hmm. So whether... Oh, really? Yeah. The sun, well, vitamin D. I get that. Well, that yeah. So 
20 minutes a day on mm-hmm. a lovely day mm-hmm. outside, well, we know that weather impacts mood. There's a mm-hmm. thing called SAD for like mm-hmm. seasonal affect, affective disorder, which is when people get depressed in the winter. So, so you know, sometimes you can't help the yes. climate, you know, the, the environment that you live in. But what you do have power over is on a nice day, you can go and spend 20 minutes outside or mm-hmm. you can stay inside all day. And if you spend 20 minutes outside, that's a proven mood booster. Can I tell you as a new mum... Mm-hmm. The maternal health nurse kept saying to me, get outside, Mm. get outside. I'd be like, I'm too busy. I've got a baby. I'm running business. But once I started to go outside in the sunshine for 15 minutes with the pram, as long as I could muster, I did feel better. It makes a huge difference. Yeah. It makes a huge difference. Um, Here's one. You play to your strengths. This is actually Mm -hmm. a positive psychology intervention. Yes, I I took this test online. Yes. Mm. So you can do a... This is about character strengths, though. Mm -hmm. So this is like your... um, Not just like I'm good at English or maths or numbers Mm -hmm. or whatever. This is about what are my values in action. Yes. It's called the VIA strengths, which is values Mm -hmm. in action. So these are things like hope, determination, uh, zest... Uh, humility. There's a whole list of them. There's Mm -hmm. 24 of them actually. And you can do this little survey online for free Mm -hmm. or you can pay $25 to do the paid one. And it tells you what your top strengths are. And if you choose to engage in activities that play to your strengths, if you find opportunities to use the things that come most naturally to you, it's huge for Mm -hmm. improving your um, happiness and your I guess the word is flourishing is the word Mm -hmm. we use in positive psych. You know, you're flourishing in life. Uh, increases the more that you use those strengths. And it also shows you other strengths. I love that nothing's called a weakness on this thing. Yes. If there's 24 and so whatever is at the number 24 isn't a weakness. It's just a strength that you could choose to develop. Yes. <laughs> so so they're on a they're on a spectrum. But if you if you know this, we all know this intuitively, mm. don't we? If, mm-hmm. we're, if we're acting in ways or doing things that don't align with who we fundamentally are. If it feels it, off if, and if it feels wrong, yeah. Yeah, it's a downer. Mm-hmm. So the more you can, and it's great for teams actually too, like teams at work, if you know that people aren't just like, just annoying you, they're actually, they've got a different strength. Mm. You can actually complement each other's yeah, strengths. Especially with things like public speaking or whatever may come up, leading a meeting, Im- you can just... Improves relationships. So yeah. there's that ripple effect again, that mm-hmm. um, improving that positivity outwards. Yeah. Savouring the good stuff. So mindfulness is about just being present to what's happening. We've talked about this, even if it's not pleasant, Mm -hmm. just being able to be present to it. Savoring is when you deliberately focus on like sucking every bit of joy out Mm. of the positive moments. So being fully present to what you're witnessing, what you're experiencing, like being, if you're looking at a beautiful sunset, if you're having a lovely cup Mm -hmm. of coffee with a friend, not being on your phone. Yes. Actually. I do this with a baby. Yeah. Bringing your full awareness Mm -hmm. and your full attention into that moment. And you can actually savor not just experiences in the moment, that Mm -hmm. that's great. You can also savor memories. You can Mm -hmm. relish a happy memory or you can anticipate something really that you're looking forward to in the future. So that's a way to up your positivity kind of index as well. And easy and simple. Easy. Yes. So instead of shifting, you know, instead of focusing on all the things I've got to do and how busy I am and all of that, like actually really savour the Mm -hmm. good things that are there to be 
they're there to be, to be had. Yeah. So there's just a few ideas about how we can actually shift that balance away from the negative and more into the positive. And obviously there's lots of reasons why that's a good thing to do. Like we've, yeah, there's plenty of positive benefits of positivity. Mm-hmm. And so there's heaps of great strategies. Thank you, Cass. I was feeling pretty crappy coming into this <laughs> podcast with my broken ankle, but already I'm feeling more positive about it and I'm going to implement some of those strategies. Thank you. That was episode one of season two, Crappy to Happy. And if you like the episodes and you enjoy the program, then please get in touch, give us a rating, give us a review. We genuinely love to hear from you. The show is for you, so tell us what you think. Yeah, we want to help. Next up, we're talking Mindfulness 101, the real basics of mindfulness and meditation. Thanks for being with us. We'll talk to you soon. Crappy to Happy is recorded in the Podcast One studios. Produced by Dave Zwolenski. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. For more episodes and to check out other great podcasts, go to podcastone.com.au or download the app.